great, isn't it? Good to be with you this morning. A big welcome to everyone, both in the room and online as well. It's great that you can be with us. Uh, This morning we begin a new series in Ephesians. So if you want to turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, that would be good. On the other hand, it might be best if you watched it on the screen because the reading that I've chosen is from a more literal translation. Because in the translations that we have, us modern people cannot cope with long sentences. And in the original, verses 3 to 14 uh, is just one long sentence. Some of the older versions divide it into two or three sentences, uh, but many of the modern versions do even more sentences than that. So it breaks the, the impetus of it. So I'm going to read it. We're going to be in Ephesians 1, but what, what, what we're going to be doing is a bit of a flyby because there is so much in this chapter. We could probably just spend months on the, this chapter alone. It is so rich. It's like a, it's like a mine. It's like a, there are various seams which you can go down and, and uh, draw something out of, and we haven't got time for that this morning. So this is going to be a flyby. I hope in doing a flyby it doesn't make you sick. You know, um, <laughs> you know, when you're up there and it's going like this, it can be a little bit, whoa, hang on a minute. And uh, in running it through this morning, I had to do a fast landing. We might have to do the same thing uh, uh, in this meeting as well. But it's an amazing chapter. So let's read the scripture, shall we? Ephesians chapter 1, it will come up behind me on the screen. Thank you. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus... By the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, having predestined us to adoption through Jesus Christ, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace that he bestowed on us in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, that he calls to abound to us in all wisdom and insight, uh, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in him, For the administration of the fullness of times to bring together all things in Christ, the things in the heavens and the things on the earth, in him, in whom also we were chosen, having been predestined according to the purpose of the one who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who hoped beforehand in Christ should be for the praise of his glory, in whom also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also when you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. Ah, You feel a bit breathless. But you, you get the idea, don't you, what's going on here. Paul is, is taken up with a theme, and as he explores that theme and expands on it, it's like it just goes on, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds. It's a bit like going to a concert, and they've got the, the little bits going along, and gradually the, the impetus builds, and then you get the crescendo at the end, and, 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 and everyone's sort of, wow, wow, just going, wow, wow, wow. And it's like this with just reading this. And so just reading it in a literal version is quite stimulating, even if it is exhausting for our own mind. And, and the reading of it. 
Letters are, are important, aren't they? But maybe today we've kind of lost sight of that. You know, we, we do lots a day by text message, by WhatsApp, by Messenger, by Facebook, by email, etc., etc. And we put these messages out. And if you're anything like me, people message me, and then I think I need to reply to somebody, which one did they communicate to me on? And I'm sort of going through all the different things to try and find that message that I need to respond to. So if you don't get a message from me, just understand my challenges at times, which I'm sure you identify with anyway. Um, but, you know, those things are kind of lost in the ether, aren't they? Eventually, we, we send them off and they're gone. Whereas people used to write letters years ago, and, and their heart was put into those letters, particularly, you know, some of the love letters that were written, letters between members of families and so on. Uh, important things that were written down, and, and people treasure them, and we have some at home like that. And one of the most blessed ones I, I ever had was one I found out after my father had died. And uh, we were sharing some of the, the stuff together. And there were these letters that I had never, ever seen before. And they were on air mile paper. You remember air mile paper? Yeah, so you sent it cheaply and, and so on. So they were written on air mile paper to my uncle, uh, my dad's youngest brother. He's one of 12 who, who was serving in Hong Kong. Uh, after the war, and he was writing to him, and he was, he was suddenly talking about me, you know, and it's like, oh my goodness, it really touched my heart, because I didn't really know that side of my dad in that kind of way, and, and yet most affectionately, he was writing about me, this, this little baby that was born with a mop of hair, ginger hair, and all the rest of it, and how this little lad grows, and he's really excited as he's, he's beginning to walk around, and so on, and it just really touched my heart. I'm sure some of you have had letters like that. But they were written, written all those years ago and yet spoke to me in the present of my father's love for me. And, 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 and that's one absolutely wonderful. And as we come into Ephesians, though Paul is writing this letter, this is God's letter to you and I through Paul. And I think if we can see it that way, that helps, that God is writing to you. He is writing to us. Yes, it may have been written all those years ago to a particular people, but it's been preserved by the Holy Spirit, kept for us to, to hear God's heart for his children today. And it may be that you are somebody who's been struggling with the love of God, the grace of God, where things are at at this moment in time, and you just need to read this portion and get absolutely stoked on it. You know, just get saturated so that, my, what a God, what a Savior, you know, just to see God's heart for you. And, and so he addresses it to the saints, you notice there in verse 1, to the saints who are at Ephesus. And and. You are not, those who are in Christ are not waiting to become saints after they perform miracles, after they've died and proven the point, as it were. The scripture says that if you are in Christ, you are a saint right now. Now, you might not feel that, but you are. So turn to the person next to you and say, did you know you're a saint? Yeah, you're a saint because you're a saint because God has called you and set you apart in Christ Jesus. And when God sets things apart, they are made holy because of who he is. And so we are saints, those set apart by God and made holy. And we find ourselves in a particular place. They were in Ephesus. But you know, uh, times don't really change, just the detail of them. I mean, we drive around in cars and 
fly aeroplanes and so on. But the reality of human life was just the same in those days as we find it today. People still face those things of the world, the flesh, and the devil, etc. So it was written to a people at Ephesus, and all those issues that were being addressed had to be worked out in a particular place, in a culture that was contrary to the gospel. And we find ourselves in a culture that is increasingly contrary to the gospel. But that's not the point, because the gospel still works because of who God is and what God has done in Jesus. The power of the blood of Jesus to save and to cleanse and to heal and to renew and to deliver and so on is the same as it was all those days ago, etc. And when we look at this particular book, uh, we see that, first of all, the first three chapters are, are theologically orientated, and then the last three chapters are very practically orientated, application orientated. And that is important because if we don't understand God's heart, God's truth, uh, that we we can make a mistake, we can struggle in trying to work out our personal Christian lives. And, And these people here, there they were, the people who were possessing something of the kingdom, kingdom now, but also kingdom not yet knowing something of its fullness, but knowing that there is more to come, knowing that they have been saved and redeemed and made new in Jesus, but also knowing that they still struggle with uh, temptation and sin and and getting things wrong, etc., etc. So Paul is writing to them, covering a whole vast range of things from how can they as the people of God, how can they as two different communities, Jew and Gentile, who have both discovered Christ, how can they be one people? How can they live in, in such unity? Etc. And so when we think of Ephesians, Ephesians, like all of Scripture, it speaks to the heart, the mind, and the will. Now we tend to perhaps focus on one of those things. A lot of people, a lot of us are perhaps a lot of heart, and maybe all heart, and we don't concentrate much on the mind or the will. But in actual fact, to be whole Christians, we need to be uh, emphasizing each of those areas, heart, mind, and will. They're important. And we find that if Ephesians is just full of heart, full of heart, and it speaks to the heart. You can't help but be moved by reading the book of Ephesians because of the way it expresses God's heart for us in Jesus, what he has done for us in Jesus. You were dead in trespasses and sins, but now in Christ you have been made new, hallelujah, and are seated in heavenly places in Christ. And, and we're reminded that his love is so great, it's so high, so wide, so deep, etc., that it's immeasurable, such love, it touches our hearts. We're also reminded that it's uh, full of truth, and, and it's important that we soak ourselves in the Word of God. It's important that we read the Word of God. It's important that we meditate upon the Word of God. It's important that we hear the Word of God. It's important that these, these beings that we are, who are in the process of, 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 of growing in God, in Christ, growing to maturity, are being transitioned by having renewed minds. And, and, and so we need the Word of God to challenge our minds, to speak to us. And then lastly, our wills. The, the, the fact that Scripture speaks to our will, and Ephesians speaks to our will. The application later on, it speaks to our will. In other words, we can hear the truth. We can be touched by the love and the grace and the power of God, and we can feel it in our hearts. But there comes a point of decision. Will I get up and live into this? Will I get up and work it out in my daily life? And and so Ephesians reminds us, first of all, that God is. And if there's anything that you and I need to be reminded of today, is that God is. 
He is on the throne. He rules and he reigns. That he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A holy, happy community of being who have been from all eternity and will be to all eternity. I grew up in a background which kind of left me with a, a very austere view of God. And, and therefore a very distant view of God. But the, 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 the God that we find in Ephesians, and you'll find Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all over the pages of Ephesians. And if you're one of those people who marks your Bible, that's a good thing to do. And if you don't do it, I'd encourage you to do it. You can always get a new Bible when it gets worn out. But, you know, mark those instances and just underline Father, underline Son in Christ, underline Holy Spirit, etc., and see that it's saturated in the Trinity. It speaks of God's love, a letter that is saturated in the love of God, the height, length, depth, and breadth of it. It, speaks, it tells us that God is sovereign, that he is on the throne. And maybe you need to be reminded that this morning when you listen to the news, which can be so depressing at times, can't it? Can't it? With all that is going on within our world, it's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. But we need to remind ourselves, God is on the throne. He is the sovereign Lord. He knows the end from the beginning and he's able to work his purposes out, which is the next point, God is purposeful. And you can find that in verses 4, 5, 9 and 10 of this chapter. And then in verse 14, you can discover that his purposes will be fulfilled. It speaks of a day that is yet to come. And so Paul reminds them of who God is. He also speaks to the fact that they are living on this battlefield in the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. He reminds them that God's ultimate purpose from eternity has been to have a family of sons and daughters. Hallelujah. True sons and true daughters. Wonderful, isn't it? And we get this constant refrain that goes through this uh, particular chapter and particularly these first 14 verses. In Christ, we have it nine times. And it's important that we note that because we are taken up in a world which is all about me so often and what I can do. And, and, and you know, following your heart. I don't know if you notice those very subtle things. Follow your heart. Well, you know, your heart can lead you in the wrong direction. And, and, and so on. But the focus here is Christ. Everything is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. A constant refrain, nine times. Outside of Christ, we're lost. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're cut off from God. We've, we are without purpose, without hope. But in Christ, in Christ, because of what God has done in him, that has all changed. Hallelujah. And then notice that we are blessed. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And to note that the blessings are spiritual ones and they're found in heavenly places. And, and, and you know, some of the stories that you read of from the past of people who in this life lived in extreme poverty and suffering and yet experienced the greatest riches of the kingdom, you know, through their suffering. I remember reading a story about the happiest people on earth, which was a tribe who lacked much of what we have in so many different ways, and yet they were the happiest people on earth because they knew God, they knew Christ, they knew the power of the Holy Spirit. They knew what it was to be blessed in heavenly places in Christ. And so how are we blessed? How are we blessed as we look at this particular chapter? And so some things just to note here, that we're chosen to be holy and blameless in verse 4. Chosen to be holy and blameless. The world is not as God intended it to be. 
But God has set about a plan in which to redeem people and enable them to live holy and blameless lives. Lloyd-Jones says this, holiness is not something that we're called to do in order to become something. Holiness is something we do because of what we already are. And I remember the day that suddenly dawned on me in my Christian life because I, I had this idea that I'd become a Christian and, and it was like I was down here somewhere and I've got to work up to holiness over there somewhere. But then suddenly I saw who I was in Christ here. I saw that I was a saint in Christ. I saw that I'd been made holy in him and I was to live out of that and move forward in that way. And it changed the whole direction of my life. We're predestined to adoption in verse 5. And this isn't about adoption as a child into a family from another family, but refers to the, 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 the family making the child a full son. And you can go to Galatians 3 and verses 19 through 4.10 to read about this. It, it's about that child reaching the stage where they enter into full sonship, the full privileges, the full rights as an adult heir. And uh, that is tremendous. So already you and I as the people of God, we have full rights as adult heirs. Isn't that staggering? <laughs> yeah, we're not working up to that point in Christ. We are there. Amen? Yeah. So we've been we were predestined to adoption. That's what we were predestined to. And then in verse 6, it speaks about how that we are accepted or favored uh, this doesn't always come out in some of the modern translations, but it's there, and, and, and you can read it. It says in, in the New, Amer New American Standard, to the praise of the glory of his grace with which he favored us in the beloved. And, and the word that is used there is the same word that is used of the angel visiting Mary in the Christmas story. When he comes to her and he says, you are highly favored. Why is she highly favored? Because she's going to to carry the Son of God. The, the Spirit is going to come upon her and she is going to bear the Son of God whose name would be Jesus and he would save his people from their sins. And so he says to Mary, you are highly favored. It was, wasn't because of anything of who she was. It was because of God's loving grace and favor. And, and that is the same word that is used here in Ephesians. You are highly favored. Turn to the person next to you and say, did you know you're highly favored? And you might say, if not, what are you going to do about it? Okay? Because you, my brothers and sisters, each one of us, you may have only just made a commitment to Christ. You may have been on the road for many years, but you are highly favored. Hallelujah. And so within that context, Christ is, is if you like, in us. So we think of putting our trust in Jesus, but it's, it talks about how Christ comes and enters in. And Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we're highly favored. We've been redeemed. We've been bought and set free. And, 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 and the price has been paid. And the, the essence of it there was that there was a, a payment that was made to, to ransom, to redeem people. And it involved freeing them or freeing whatever it was in order that they may be in freedom. We have been bought and set free. Hallelujah. We're no longer under Satan. Jesus is our king. Glory to God. And then we've been forgiven in verse 7. It says that we have been forgiven there, doesn't it? It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, trespasses, wrongdoing, whichever your version says there. 
that we have been forgiven. And I think sometimes we forget how serious sin is in God's eyes. You know, and, and when we see how serious it is, it makes this verse all the more staggering. You know, because our sin was rebellion against God. It cut us off from God. It messed our lives up. It messes other people's lives up. Mess our world up. But it says here that we have been forgiven completely. Every sin, past, present, and future. And as the psalmist said, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And yet how often does the enemy like to come back as the accuser of the brethren and, and remind us of those sins and try and bring us down into the depths? Praise God, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And then we have been given an inheritance in verse 7, in him, in verse uh, 11, in him we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will. And this can be viewed in two ways. It can be viewed as God's inheritance, and certainly the Old Testament scriptures talk about it in that way, but also there's a side of it where it talks about our inheritance as well. We have a rich inheritance in Christ. Praise God. And then we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 there. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Again, when that, when that price was paid, there was a seal put on it that said that this now belonged to the person who had paid for it. And Jesus has paid for us. He has paid the full price for our salvation. And there was a seal put on the purchase possession, put on your life and on my life. We belong to God. Yes? That means that we are secure in Christ. We are secure in Christ. If we lose that sense of what that means, we are in trouble. If in any way we get into a works-faith understanding where, yeah, we do a bit of believing and, 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 and we do some believing and we do some working to try and make the whole thing work, we are in trouble. By grace are you saved through faith and it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Hallelujah. Saved. Secure in Him. And so also we have a hope in verse 18, which takes on to the next section. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. I remember growing up as a young Christian and, and so many, what I heard was, well, I hope so. Well, I hope so. Christian faith was a, a kind of a bit of a hope so faith. Well, no, it's more than that. It's a real and dynamic hope. Jesus has died, Jesus has risen again, Jesus has ascended into heaven, Jesus is on the throne in heaven, Jesus will come again. And we have an everlasting hope in him. Hallelujah. So we can say with all of this, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Yeah, so let's say this together. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And yet how often do we find ourselves not believing that? Maybe that you are here this morning and you, you've just come in this morning and you oh, goodness me, I'm not a very good Christian. I'm, oh, it's been a rough old week and so on. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Yeah? Isn't that staggering? And, you, you know, when you see those offers and, 
And, you, and they sound good until you read the small print, don't they? Yeah. I want to tell you there's no small print on this. None at all. If you believe in Jesus, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. He, you belong to him and he will not lose you. So once again, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Turn to the person next to you and tell them that as we come into land. So as we, as we come into land, and as I said in the early, earlier meeting, this is going to be a swift landing, not a slow descent down, you know, and a circling round, and then a, a coming in nice and gentle. This is going to be a quick, swift one, okay, because time has gone. But in reading this chapter, I want you to notice that there is an abundance. It's full of abundance. The words express it in so many different ways. And, you know, for us, we, we so often go around on our, our little spiritual push bikes, you know, where, where it's a bit like, and the, the, and the bike, to be honest, is not the latest version. It's a cranky one, you know, and we're going along, and it's like I'm cycling along in my Christian life, and Jesus loves me, but oh, creak, creak, squeak, squeak, creak, squeak, 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 wobble, wobble, you know, uh, and then perhaps we might fall off or whatever, and we're going along, but we've got a Rolls Royce parked in the garage, you know, and, and we can be like that. We can, we can be these impoverished Christians. You know, I, I, someone years ago spoke a sermon that was called A Child of Light Walking in Darkness, and the emphasis was, it was on the darkness. And, and that's the wrong idea of Scripture altogether. You know, we are children of light yet living in darkness, but we're children of light. Hallelujah. And that's taken from Isaiah, by the way, if I remember right. But, yeah, just looking at these. So, verse 3, we, we are blessed with every blessing. There's abundance. In verse 6, he has lavished on us. Lavished, you know. Uh, you, you, just, you just think of it being poured out on us, just splashed around, if you like. You know, the, the cup is not just full, it's overflowing. Hallelujah. He has lavished on us. And it speaks of the riches of his grace. It's not just a, oh, God, God's got a little bit of richness for you, but he's got the riches of his grace. There's a full abundance there for you. And then <laughs> it's richly poured out on us, isn't it? It's like getting a big jug and saying, here, have a, have a dose of this, and pouring it out in, in unrestricted ways. Uh, and, and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the fact that he has given us the Holy Spirit, speaks in a, of abundance as well, because the third person of the Trinity has come to, to reside in our hearts and lives, to reside in us as a church community. And then the wealth of his glorious inheritance in verse 18. And then in verse 19, we have the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. What are you going through this week? What are you facing? Think of the immeasurable greatness of his power towards you who believe at this moment in time. Power sufficient for life and godliness, for everything that the enemy might throw your way. Wow. We're going to come to communion in a moment, and um, it's a great place just to reflect and respond uh, to, to this, <laughs> this message. Huh? Wow. Isn't God good? Yeah. It may be that you've been living your Christian life out of a spirit of poverty. You know you're saved, but you're just getting by. And you need to recognize the spirit of abundance. And you need to step into that. 
you can do that as we share in communion together. It may be that you need to make some active decision, and I, I've, I'd be quite happy, as I'm sure others would be, to, to pray for you after the meeting, if you would like, to help you process that and get into the next step. Because God heart, God's heart for you is big. Amen. And God is good all the time. And as we were singing earlier, do you know, it's right there as well. He's running after us. He's running after you. He's running after you. And in this moment, he's running after you. And he's calling you. My child, my son, my daughter, come. Come to me. Come to me. Come and receive of my abundance this morning. Come and delight in the, the riches of my grace. Come and feast on me. Thanks, Richard. So we're going to take communion.